everybody. Welcome to the search. Uh, we are kicking off a series called What Happy Couples Know, talking about relationships. You might be wondering how lasting fits in. Um, it's simply this. <laughs> Doesn't our culture tell us to go into the minefield related to relationships? There's a lot of bad advice out there. No, no, go over there. It'll be perfectly fine. You know, just go, go do your thing, and there's actually explosives all around, and we might need something to help us out of the mess of our current cultural thinking with relationships and, and things that, uh, that we get into. Now, as we get into this, we say, hey, let's talk about relationships and all of the ladies are finally a relationship series. This is great. I was just uh, getting to really enjoy this and the guys are thinking, I was just starting to like the search and now it's like, kind of, you know, but we're going to talk about relationships and if you're excited about this series, you want to chat with your significant other or something about that, there's something that you need to know. Even though girls may think this is a good idea, here's kind of what guys see and feel. <laughs> you know, when we want to talk about relationships, it's basically the cone of shame, right? There's something wrong, you need to wear it, you need to put this on your head. And so just give us grace because this can kind of be a little bit painful for us. Now, it was one of the uh, most ironic moments of my life. It was a few years ago. I was actually working for a company called RGIS. It was a horrible, horrible job doing inventory stuff. So it was very mind-numbing, and it was very scanned-in kind of thing. You stand there all night and count Walmarts and mall stores and stuff like that to help double-check your inventory. Well, while I was doing this, I was actually working on a master's in philosophy. And in my philosophy program, we were actually reading Heidegger. We were reading a piece called On Metaphysics. Now, don't worry about that. There's going to be a quiz later. But let me tell you just a little bit about it. In this piece, it's actually about 10 to 12 pages long, Heidegger talks about the nature of nothing. And his contention is that nothing has to exist. A lot of philosophers say nothing can exist because it's a self-negating concept, but Heidegger disagrees. He says that nothing must exist. In fact, and don't worry if you're not following me on this, it's okay. Uh, he says that nothing is the metaphysical boundary of being. Now to put it crassly, at the atomic level, if I put my hand on this little container, there's actually a little tiny bit of overlap. The atoms in my hand are actually overlapping the atoms in the container. And yet my hand and the container are still distinct, right? And Heidegger is saying that what's separating these two things, well, nothing is. And that nothing actually forms a boundary that lets items and lets substance be distinct. It's a really cool and fascinating thought. I think he's right about that. Um, and I'm not quite sure how you would prove it. Uh, but anyway, so I'm scanning in lipstick at Sears. You know, scan, 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 cherries in the snow, cherries in the snow. And, and I'm thinking about this piece on metaphysics, and my, my manager comes over to me and says, E, it looks like you're even thought. What what are you thinking about? <laughs> I was actually literally thinking about nothing. <laughs> so I was thinking deep thoughts about the nothing, people want. And so I was like, uh, I got I just got no good answer, so I tell him nothing. <laughs> just, you know, one of the more ironic moments of my life. But if you want to know, if, if sometimes people ask me what philosophy is good for. Telling you it's good for nothing. In fact, maybe even great uh, because nothing just doesn't get a lot of play outside of philosophy. Uh, Sartre had actually four different kinds of nothing, just so you know. And I, I wouldn't recommend the philosophy degree anyway. Go be an engineer, go find something useful to do, and you'll, you'll thank me later. Uh, but that'll come back around later as we talk about the nothing. Now, in terms of relationship advice, there's not a lot I know. Uh, the, the, the thing I would say is this. Um, one thing, I heard an old preacher who was about 80 years say this out loud, and it's kind of stuck with me, so I'm just going to pass it along. This isn't 
is an original. I'm just going to pass this along. So girls, when your guy gets home and you're on the couch and you're crying for no reason, he doesn't know why. Seems incredible. It seems, it's amazing. It seems amazing. He does not know why. You just have to tell him. You just got to tell him. You just got to tell us. We have a vague sense that something is wrong, but we haven't puzzled it out yet. Yes, you are that dense. He doesn't know why. Just tell him. Um, and the second piece of advice I would give is this. Come into agreement about big decisions together before you make a move. If you're saying, hey, I think we need to start a business in this one. Okay. Don't start the business until both of you are in agreement. And that can be about anything major. I would say about children, even about pet level stuff. Don't don't move on until you have agreement from both parties. It'll save you a lot of trouble. But what I want to do this this week is I want to set the table. I want to talk about the tension. I want to talk about some of the things that we run into with relationships. And next week and for the rest of the series, Dwayne and I are going to dig into New Testament scriptures that are really going to shine some light on this issue. But when it comes to relationships, all of us have a box. All of us have a box labeled our hopes, our dreams, our desires. It looks a lot like this, really. Um, but it's something that we're going to dig into. And you have hopes, you have dreams, you have desires. And most of these things are formed pretty early on um, in your family of origin. Uh, things like, you know, what do you do with pets? You have, you have pets, if you're on a farm, maybe there's draft meat involved. Um, what do you do with money? How do you deal with money? Do you spend? Do you save? How do you feel about debt? You've got money that's in the box in terms of decisions you're making. Um, let's see. Are you more beef or chicken? That's like you can do some of that stuff. Um, do you own a lot of tools? Is your, is your family very handy? Do you stuff yourself or do you bring in a guy who knows more about that than you do? Um, oh, here's one that's pretty common. Uh, a banana phone. Do you have a banana phone in your family or not? A Bluetooth banana phone? Okay. Let's see. Our um, flashlights, a good gift to give or just talk to anybody? Does your dad need flashlights and talk to anyone? Alright. Uh, here we go. I had to go a long way with this one. Is your family like a complete works of Chaucer family? <laughs> or do you just read a couple of Canterbury Tales? I mean, like, you know, there are differences that we need to think about. Um, but the reality is, by the time we're five or six, most of our basic beliefs about a lot of really important things are set. What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? These things are already largely formed. How do we treat each other? What do we do when there's a conflict? How do we behave, you know, on vacation? And these things can swing wildly from person to person, depending on our family of origin, depending on our parents, depending on the models that we have set. And the things in my box, may not match the stuff in your box. And when you come into a marriage relationship or into a significant relationship, I think it affects parents and children, I think it affects bosses and employees. If there are assumptions and things that we deeply hold in our box and it doesn't match the people around us, sometimes that can cause conflict. And there's a little when it comes to the calendar. Um, this was a big discussion for us when Karen and I we're about to get married, Karen said, uh, I only want three holidays, and your family can have all the rest. We'll do Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Easter with my family, and then you get Halloween, Groundhog Day, Veterans Day, and all. She's actually, she's actually very generous. I'm just so uh, But we have expectations in terms of what we do with our families around vacation times, and we need to work this stuff out. 
The reality is most of the time we're either trying to <laughs> recreate something that we really loved as kids, or we're trying to get away from something that we really didn't like as kids and we're trying to recreate or we're trying to avoid. My relationship is not going to be like that. I'm not going to be like my dad. I'm not going to be like my mom. We're not going to have that kind of relationship that I saw growing up. Or you grew in a situation that was really healthy. You're like, you know what? Our family was really close and tight and very well knit. And that's exactly the situation I want, right? Maybe it wasn't your parents. Maybe you had an older brother or sister that just has an amazing relationship. You're like, that's what I would like to have in my own life. I'm not trying to avoid something. I'm trying to repeat something, recreate something, replicate something. Now, here's the thing. Often, even in those situations where we're trying to recreate something good or great, that's healthy, that's worth recreating in the middle of all this mess, in the middle of everything, in the middle of all of that cycle is me. It's what I want. It's what I think is good and right. It's what I have decided is healthy. These are my hopes, my dreams, my desires. And at some point in the relationship, and we don't even really do this consciously, I think, but at some point, what we do is we pack all this stuff up, put the lid on it, we pack it up tight, and then what we do when we're engaged or when we're at some point, we should maybe at the altar, maybe a month in, maybe a couple of years in, we take the box, and you can't help, we can't help ourselves, but full of hopes and dreams, and we hand it to the other person, and we say, here, this is on you to fulfill all of my stuff, make it so. Right. And, we, and we, we lay this huge burden on them. Hope, streams, desires, this is now your responsibility. Make all of these come true. Thanks for playing. We want the complete works of Chaucer and a flashlight. Thank you for, thank you for showing up. Make them come true. The reason I said yes, the reason I'm in love with you is to do the stuff that's in my box. I need you to come through for me. See the problem, right? The problem is when I hand in my box of stuff with a Chaucer that is surprisingly heavy, it doesn't feel like hopes, dreams, and desires. It feels like a weight. <laughs> it, feels like this, it feels like this box is full of stuff. It's heavy. And, and it feels like expectations. It feels like a weight. It feels like the bar has been weirdly raised out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, there's this huge homework assignment. It's this responsibility. It feels like if she doesn't come through, that I'm going to be usually disappointed. And at some point, she's handed her box to me. And, and there's the same stuff. As, there's different stuff in the boxes. And, and suddenly the boxes start to collide. Because I gave her mine, she gave me hers, and what was intangible and hopeful and dreamy all of a sudden gets very real. And the burden it brings becomes very real. Now when that collision happens, when that collision happens, we respond in a number of ways, and you've all, you've all seen it. You've all seen it. One of the ways that we respond, especially in our culture, is to bail. Right? One of the ways we respond is to leave. We say, you know what? Not what I had in mind. You've got a bunch of weird stuff in your box. That's, you were not honest about this. You did not make this clear. I did not sign up for this. You changed the rules. You switched gears. We're in the stream. We're on a different horse now. What in the world is going on? You handed all this stuff in your box. There's no way I'll be able to fill all the stuff. There's no way. I can't carry this expectation. I cannot live up to what you handed me. I'm out. <laughs> right? I will never be able to make you happy. I can't take the pressure. I'm out of here. Hasta la vista, baby. We'll see you later. And they're gone. And you know what happens when, when, we, when we find ourselves in that situation where we leave? Or if I decide to leave, 
basically take my box back, mine, and then I carry it into the next relationship I have, and I hand it to the next person, right? And you rinse and repeat, right? And suddenly you see the same sort of problem because it's the same box. That is packing into the next relationship. So sometimes people leave. Another thing people do when the boxes collide is uh, they win. They win, right? right? In every relationship, there's generally a stronger personality. In our case, it is clearly Karen. <laughs> it's, like, it's not me. I am not the winner. But whenever there's a stronger personality, not always, but often it's the case. And when the boxes collide, one of the people will power up and go, I win. <laughs> you know, it's like they'll just... They'll just take, they'll escalate it up to whatever level they need to, to say, we need to do my box and not your box, right? And they do that through a series of unhealthy things uh, that we can just go through the four C's here. The convince, convict, control, coerce, move this really quickly. Uh, the convince works like this, and again, you've all seen people do this. Um, I know this is how you dealt with conflict in your family, but not very smart, it's not very healthy, I realize this is how you want to do it, but you know what? The problem is you have the wrong man, and I've got the right man, and we need to do my man. So let's do my man, right? And, and let's do my man, here's why, and you lay out the reasons why. This is the right way to do it. Just trust me and live the life that I want to live. We'll both be happier, uh, because aren't generally people happy when they try to be like someone else? Are we always happier when we abandon who we are and bow to someone else's uh, image? That when we give up who God has created us to be and bow to the image of our partner. It's a recipe for happiness. So baby, if you just abandon your being completely, you come to my bed, it'll work out. So you convince, you convict, you make them feel guilty, I don't want to be critical. What your parents did, it was kind of dumb. You know, I, you know it's not, not healthy. I don't, want, I don't want to do it that way. We're not going to do it that way. I don't want to judge you, but look at your family, they're a wreck. Let's not be a wreck. Let's do something different. Let's do my boss. We control, we can worse, we put pressure on each other, and at the end of the day, the winner is happy. At least for a little while. Seriously. Winner's happy. They're grinning. Look, my box, my box is the winner. My box is the good box. We both agree. Um, and, and they can't understand what's wrong with my others. Sometimes she doesn't get it, but just pray for her. She'll come around eventually. This is the correct man, this is the right way to do things. And on the other side of that, the other thing that we do whenever the boxes collide, is if we don't win, often we'll fold. Right? We give in. We try to make things better for the sake of, of whatever. Uh, we conform. We try to compensate for somebody who won't love us. Um, so what we do is we set down our box and we try to fold into the other person's box and we abandon who we are to make someone else happy. Um, and that works for a while. Works for the person who won, <laughs> to some extent. Works with the person you can form. If the temperature goes down in the relationship, things feel better. As long as she's happy, as long as he's happy, I'll deal with it. But this isn't my dream. My box has been left behind. Fourth response is maybe the most common response. We compromise. And in fact, many people see compromise as the goal. That's the win, right? That's, the, that's how you stay married. You just compromise. Maybe you sell it with your parents. Weren't real happy. They weren't real unhappy either. They kind of figured it out. They kind of got along. They worked it out. Uh, the problem is this: in a compromised marriage, there's score keeping to some extent. Everybody's keeping score. They're keeping a record. It's a bit 
contractual, it's a bit transactional. Didn't we agree that this year's year with my family, and next year's year with your family, we already decided, so you know, keep your end of the compromise, and I'll keep my end of the compromise, and we kind of keep score, and we, we worked it out. And the bad thing about compromise is this, and it's a subtle thing. <laughs> At the end of the day, a compromised relationship is fueled by a commitment to the wrong thing. You say it like this. <laughs> it sounds bad when you say it, but it sounds like this. You've heard people say that we are super committed to our marriage. I'm, I'm very committed to my marriage. That sounds good on the surface, but when you, when you get under the hood at all, you didn't marry a marriage. You're not dating a relationship. You're dating a person. You marry a someone with a name, with an identity, with a box, with stuff, with goodness surrounding them. You don't, you don't marry a marriage. Don't, don't be committed to the marriage as much as you're committed to the person who has a name and an identity, right? I want to be committed to Karen. I don't want to be committed to our marriage. I mean, our marriage is good. I want to be committed to Karen. I want Karen to be committed to me. And, and the punchline is this. Expectations, these expectations that we put on each other with our boxes of stuff, they really want to create a debt, debtor relationship. Whenever I put my hopes and dreams and desires on Karen and I expect her to do something with them, live under the assumption, I gave her the stuff, this is how it works, and she owes me. She owes me some level of effort to work on these things that I want her to work on, right? She owes me. And that this is okay, this is how it works. And I owe her, right? I owe her stuff. And we both owe each other. And it creates a debt-debtor relationship. But this isn't what God had in mind. There is a better way. When he had the first Man and the first woman in the garden, this transactional thing was not his best. Because owe you can often eliminate love. Because if you owe me, it's really hard to love you. Give me an example. I owe you flowers. Why? Because it's Valentine's Day. Well, here are the flowers. <laughs> you know, here are the flowers because I owe you flowers, and that's how this works, and thanks for playing. How romantic is that? It's terrible. <laughs> right? It's like I owe her something and it gets me back up to zero, but there's really no love, there's really no gratitude. We're back to not owing each other as much. Love, hear me, hear me. Love requires margin. Real love, real affection, real love requires margin. It does not do well in the environment of transactions and expectations. But that's what we're used to. Mom always did this, or dad always did this. My mom, here's what women are supposed to do, here's what men are supposed to do. It's a supposed to do thing. And we have these expectations. And he's meeting the requirements, or he's not meeting the requirements, or she's meeting the requirements, not meeting the requirements. And, and it gets into a very negative spiral very quickly. Because the poor guy, he's trying to figure this out, and he's stumbling along, and he doesn't get it right. And so he finally does something really good. He does something really nice, right? Gets it done. And what happens? The girl sees that he does something nice and she says, yeah, that was nice, but you missed it 27 times in a row. And I've got the ledger here to, to, to keep score. And this one time does not make up for the 27 times that you blew it, right? And so we get into this transactional thing. And, and the guy's just like, I, I, I just tried to do something nice. <laughs> I'm stumbling along. I tried to do something nice. But we don't get credit for it, right? We don't. We don't. 
have gratitude for the things that happen in our relationships and even the good thing becomes a bad thing. When we lay it, when we layer it down, we cover it up with these expectations. Now this whole series, this whole series is about digging ourselves out of this hole and out of this way of thinking about relationships. So just a couple of questions, four questions to close this out and here's where we'll start. So the first thing is this. What do we do with our box of hopes, dreams, desires? What do we do with them? Do I just pretend that I never want children? <laughs> do I pretend I don't care how we spend our time? Do I pretend I don't care if I live in a house or not? We just live outside? Do I pretend it's okay if we never leave the city limits even though I definitely want to travel? Do, what, what do I do with all these dreams that I have? Do I ignore them? Do I let them die? Do I just let it go? No, no. See, this box of hopes and dreams and desires is not all bad. It's not evil. Right? In fact, many of the things in here that you put in here carefully over the years are part of God creating you uniquely. There's really good stuff in here. Don't throw it out. Don't throw it out. You spend years filling this thing up with things that are important to you, and there are some good things. There's some things in here that bear the image of God in you. Don't chuck it. Don't throw it out. What do we do with it? Do we pretend that it doesn't exist with your height? No. The short answer is keep it. Hang on to it. But let it be your bend, right? Don't hand it to somebody else. Don't hand it off to a person. Don't care how important they are. Don't give it up. Hang on to this. Let this be your box. <laughs> let this be your box. Second question is this, and the answer is this is going to bother you because it bothered me. Um, the second question is this. What do we do with our hopes and desires? Second question is, what do they owe you? A person that's significant in your life, a parent, a teacher, a boss, a spouse, what do they owe you? What do they really owe you? Uh, happy couples know that the answer to the question is nothing. They don't owe you anything. Really. And it's Heidegger's nothing, not person's nothing, right? It's, it's nothing that's about you, it's a good thing. They don't owe you anything. Now, to be fair, <laughs> I, uh, when I told this to Karen this this week, um, her response was to burst out laughing. <laughs> so it's like the secret to relationships. I, I, I may not have, I may not have phrased it exactly right. I said the secret to relationships is that you can expect anything from me, and I can do whatever I want. <laughs> she thought that. She's like, yeah. I think that's how but but let me let me say this: if we can understand the idea of letting go of the expectations, it can be very powerful. Now. Let me take one step back and then we'll, we'll wrap this up. I'm not an idiot. I, please understand. Even in a room this size, and there's people that I know personally, and I've worn these shoes myself to some extent, this only works if both people are in. Right? You cannot have a healthy marriage relationship if one person is in and another person is not in if they're out. There's no way that's going to be healthy. In fact, it's going to be hard, it's going to be really, really tough. And there's going to be suffering involved, and I want to uh, be sensitive to that. It stinks. There's no other way to say it. If a couple's not a healthy one, you can't be. Um, the only way this works is that both sides get into this, and to some extent, learn how to let go of these expectations. That's where the healthy thing can be. But the power of this we can let go 
of this idea that the other person owes me. The reality is the only control that I have in my relationship, no matter what the relationship is, is what I do, how I perceive it, how I respond to it. It's my box. It's my stuff. And how I respond and how I love and how I give is the only thing I'm truly in control of. I can't force the other person to do what I want them to do, and I shouldn't try and if we can let go of that, it's a real source of power. And it's a real source of power even in a broken relationship. Maybe your part of this deal is to let go and forgive and move on. <laughs> right? And that's all you need to do. And that's a hard thing. But it is something that you do have some control over. And with God's help, we get there. If we can really understand this, that things are not truly transactional. It can create an atmosphere that will set you free, even in hard circumstances. But in healthy circumstances, it can create an atmosphere of grace and of generosity and of freedom where love can flourish. And the nice thing, you go, oh man, I wasn't, I, you know what, you don't have to do that. I love that you did that kind of thing for me. Thank you so much. And there can be a real sense of gratitude and a real sense of love. The move is to, as far as possible, take your box off of the table of your relationship. Stop putting your stuff on the other person. Let me just read you one passage of scripture. <laughs> and you won't hear me do this much, but I will actually want to see what's not here. This is from Song of Solomon, one of the less embarrassing parts. <laughs> Set me as a seal upon your heart. As a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as death. Jealousy is fierce as the grave. Its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Many waters cannot quench love, neither floods and floods drown it. If a man offered for love all the wealth of his house, he would be utterly despised. Now, what I want to talk about here is the beautiful passage, and there's a lot here to unpack. But for today, in the context of what we're talking about, I want to talk about what we don't see here. Here's what I don't see. What I don't see with this uh, person talking about the person they're in love with. <laughs> There's no struggle for control. It's not present. It's not there. There's no jockey position here. There's no struggle for control. What expectations are being expressed? Well, I really need you to do more laundry or whatever, whatever it might be. I really need to do this, I need to do that. It's not here. It's not here. There's none. Where's the whiny? Oh, she's not meeting my needs, or he's not doing what I need him to do. It's not present. Isn't that cool? Isn't that great? That this is, in this biblical expression of love, there's some things that are not present. Where is the, in our culture, I hear this all the time, it's alarming how I hear this. Well, you know what? Sometimes people just grow apart. That's okay. Call it quits. You know, do what's right for you. Not present. <laughs> it's not anywhere in this path. It's just not there. So two pieces of homework and this is the last one. The last two questions of the four. The first thing is this. What is in your bin? If you have, if you have an opportunity, take stock. Say, what are some things that are truly important to me? When I boil away all the crap, what is in my bin? What's important? What are my dreams and desires? What are some bottom line issues for me? You should know the answer to that. You should know yourself. Because one of the ways that we apply pressure to people in our lives is significant Others, 
close relationships is when we don't know what's in here when we're unaware of this, some of the stuff is pushing us around, and it's pushing around the people around us in ways that is a constant source of confusion for them, right? This is super important to me, but I've never really gotten a handle on it. I don't understand it. They don't understand it, and these things uh, just jump out of nowhere. And the people around you don't know when to duck, jump, or when to you know, get out of the way, or when to, when to press in. Understand what's in your mind. Take some time to reflect. Write it down. Make a list. Because eventually you're going to bring a box to somebody. You're going to need to have your back. <laughs> you need to be thoughtful about it. And that's part of what significant relationships are about. Is it's working through some of these things in a healthy way. Last question is this. Are you expecting someone to carry around your box for you? Do you have that expectation? And the, the funny thing is, this doesn't have to be a present expectation, right? It might be in the future. You know what, someday I'm going to meet Mr. Wright, and he's going to pick up my box and carry it around for me. It's going to be great. Right? And it's just this time bomb ticking, looming, to blow up your next relationship, right? As far as possible, uh, understand that that might be a bad idea. Intentionally, unintentionally, is somebody carrying extra weight for you? Or are they about to? Something they're not designed to live with. Something, one more thing they don't need to be doing is carrying around this weight. The expectations of my hopes and my dreams and my desires. And just publicly, right here, right now, I'll just say, Karen, I know I've done some of this stuff on you. I know I have. And it's not your deal. It's my deal. It's not your psychosis, right? It's not your abandonment issues. It's not some of the things that you've had to deal with. And as far as possible, I will take those back. And I will be better. Father, I just thank you for this day you've given us, and I thank you for the way that you formed us and the way that we developed and the things that we have. Uh, remind us again that the box of our dreams is not, it's not just a box of weights, it's not a bad thing, but there's a lot of you in this box. But help us not to, to force it off onto somebody else unfairly, to have somebody else carry around our issues or our needs that are truthfully only met. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us powerfully about our dreams and our desires, about our significant relationships, whatever they are. And Lord, I pray that you would draw us into a cycle of learning how we can do better with the people that are close to us, our parents, our kids, our spouses. And Lord, I pray that you would just help us walk a life of grace even more deeply. Uh, every week we take communion. Um, we'd like to do that now. If you're a Christian, you are more than welcome to join us. It's a time of remembrance of what Jesus did, of the things that he gave up for us, uh, his bridge that he created uh, back to the Father. Um, after that, we'll have just a couple of announcements.
Every week as part of our worship service, we have an opportunity to give an offering. We don't pass an offering budget here, but we do have offering boxes in the back. And so if you'd like to place that there, that's a way as part of our worship service that we are able to express our trust in God and His care and provision for us. Um, a couple of announcements, uh, things to let you know that are coming up. Next week, we will be having lunch right after service um, and um, sort of a family meeting. A couple of things that we're looking to do during that time. First of all, as we say over and over again, we are all about relationships here at The Surge. And anytime we're able to have some time together where we can strengthen those relationships, I can promise you, you will be blessed by that. So. If you have been coming to the search for a while or today is your first day, we would love to have you join us just to be able to get to know some of the wonderful people as part of our church family. We also are going to be talking about different ways that we can um, sort of um, look at how we put, how we as a church family put our faith into action and specifically what that looks like outside in the community around us and how we believe that we are called to serve people in our community. So Jen Gambo is going to be leading us through sort of just an informal discussion to get everyone's um, input and thoughts on ways that we can be a bit more efficient with that. And we would love to have everyone be part of that conversation. Um, that'll be right after church next Sunday. Also next Sunday, uh, me and Carol will be picking up with the teen group again that meets during the week. So if you have teens or know of teens who would like to be of that, make sure to send them an invite. Um, it's great to see you all. I have missed you. And we'll be continuing our What Happy Couples Know series next week. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next Sunday.